Buy low, sell high. Very easy to say, but not always so easy to do. For example, high interest rates are hurting the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices in a lot of markets are falling, even for many of the best assets. So it's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting fundrise.com pockets, fundrise.com pockets. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement. You're trying to close on your next rental, so why is your insurance company dragging its feet? With long lead times and never-ending paper forms, it's no wonder it takes forever to finally get a policy. Modern investors deserve better. They deserve Steadily.com. At Steadily.com, you'll get fast, affordable landlord insurance available online 24-7 in just a few clicks. You can even get next-day coverage, which takes just minutes, by the way, to obtain. And you can do it all from your phone. Steadily was founded by landlords who created insurance products tailored to the unique needs of this industry. It's their sole focus, and that's why landlords nationwide consistently rate them 4.8 out of 5 stars. So whether you've got a single-family, short-term, or multifamily portfolio, Steadily.com can secure the best coverage at the best price to protect your properties. Discover how Steadily can save you both time and money on your rental property insurance. Visit Steadily.com for a commitment-free quote tailored to your needs today. Top real estate investors love to talk about how they save so much on taxes. But how are they able to build rental property empires while skirting Uncle Sam? 1031 Exchanges. 1031 exchanges allow you to defer capital gains taxes while you sell an investment property, exchanging your old property for a bigger, better one and avoiding the tax man while you do it. And that's where First American Exchange Company comes in. They're the leaders in 1031 exchanges. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just starting, First American Exchange can help you with simple rental property exchanges, complex commercial real estate investments, reverse exchanges, and more. Don't let your taxes eat into your profits. Visit First American Exchange Company at firstexchange.com. Or call them at 800-556-2520. That's firstexchange.com. Or 800-556-2520. Keep your money in your pocket and propel your portfolio further at firstexchange.com. First American Exchange Company does not provide tax or legal advice. Consult your financial, real estate, tax, or legal advisor about your circumstances. First American Exchange Company. Safe. Smart. Secure. Welcome to On the Market. I'm your host, Dave Meyer, joined by Seahawks super fan, James Daynard. What's going on, James? I'm just, I woke up so early and I was, I was excited for the day. This is a, this is a good day. You're just a kid in the candy store today. <laughs> can you, can you tell everyone why you're so excited? Well, we, we, we have two awesome people coming on. Uh, we got Devin Kennard and then we have Cliff Averill, which I'm a huge fan of. I actually think Cliff's one of the most underrated pass rushers that played during that era. He was dominating before he he went out of the league, and I'm just a, a massive Seahawks fan. The only thing we got to get on, we have to get Cam Chancellor on. That's I, I did reach out, so you never know. Maybe now, once we've done this, we can like send him a link to the episode and be like, this could be you. I don't know if that would inspire him, but maybe we can uh, show him that other people and his former teammates are doing it too. 
yeah, big hits. That Cam is known for big hits. But uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm stoked. This is it. It, it, it was a fun, great show, and I'm just anytime we bring on athletes, I sign up. Put me in. Put me in, coach. Yeah. <laughs> It's awesome. I mean, the 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 conversation is so good. They they uh they really have some applicable lessons, mm-hmm. and you know they're obviously athletes. They come from the the world of professional sports, but everything they say really applies to general investing and people. You know, a lot about being a member of a team that I I really thought was really interesting about how how knowing your role on the team. Uh, and building a team around what you're good at and augmenting and supplementing your skills. So I think it's super interesting. They're really uh, um, great investors, and it seems like they're doing some incredible stuff right now. So uh, we talk about all sorts of stuff, everything, how to get started, how to vet syndicators, what they're doing in today's current market. So I think you're going to really enjoy the show. Was there anything in particular you think people should listen out for? No, I, I, I agree. Just building that team and then sticking to what you know. And um, and I, I did also like like how they're going over their performance and how they know that they're responsible to evaluate that asset and to punch as many holes in, as possible in it. So just saying it we're, we're, doesn't matter who you are. We're all following the same rules and the same basics. Absolutely. All right. Well, let's get into it. But first, we're going to take a quick break. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Cliff Averill and Devon Kennard, welcome to On The Market. Thank you both so much for being here. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. And, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to this conversation. Absolutely. It's a, it's a pleasure, man. Thank you for having us. All right. Well, for those of our listeners who don't know you, could you each just introduce yourself and give us a little background with both with football and with real estate? Uh, Cliff, let's start with you. Oh, wow. Uh, 10-year NFL vet, uh, pro bowler, Super Bowl champ, beat some of the, y'all Broncos. Uh, um, <laughs> uh, you know, and, and I've been retired for five years now, and, and I'm I'm living the dream through uh, through real estate and some of the things that I've learned through the NFL and, and, and applying it to the real estate game. Awesome. Well, thanks for being here. What about you, Devon? Uh, this, my name is Devon Kennard. This is my ninth year in the NFL, going into uh, 10 next year. I've been investing in real estate since my first year in the NFL. I own 22 properties, and I'm also a limited partner in a number of um, syndications. So I, I love real estate. I love playing football. Uh, and I've had, I've had my fair share of dubs in, in the 12 land, too. So I see uh, James with the with the Cam Chancellor jersey. I, I remember those days. I, I got some dubs that way. Well, you didn't get dubs on us there, did you? No, uh, when I was in when I was in New York, they got us 
there, but oh, I was there for that game. Yeah, it was it was one of my first years in the league. I actually, funny story, I remember Marshawn Lynch ran over our middle linebacker, <laughs> and I was like right outside of him. I saw him run him smooth over. Welcome to the NFL. It was, it was my first. It was my rookie season, and I'm like, oh my goodness, yeah, I'm here now. <laughs> was that Super Bowl year? Was that Super Bowl year? I think that was Super Bowl year, huh? I think, yeah, I think it was, bro. I'm turning the play back with my with my right shoulder in the middle linebacker having clean in the hole. Marshawn runs him smooth over. I, I just remember quenching. Like, Ooh, uh, <laughs> you know, that was one of my my, my first big big memories. I'm like, yeah, you got to uh, lower your pads on Marshawn. <laughs> All right, so I'd love to just start with learning about how you all, how you both got started in, in real estate. Uh, it sounds like you both have built impressive portfolios. Uh, Cliff, I'm curious, were you investing while you were still in the NFL, or has this sort of been since you retired? No, yeah. So I, I was an investor in real estate um, throughout my career while I was in the league. You know, through different syndications and funds and different things like that. And um, you know, that was my first taste of kind of getting into the real estate game from an investor standpoint. You know, I had purchased some homes. Uh, actually, one of my best investments was my very first home that I purchased for my mom. Uh, that's uh, pretty much doubled in price um, that we still own. But um, yeah, I, I was an investor while I played. And then I decided once I retired to kind of dive deeper into it uh, and and start, you know, kind of building my own portfolio. Because once you read in between the lines of, of those syndications and docs, you know, it, you start seeing all the fees that are associated with it, you know, and, and you know, you kind of change your mind a little bit and say, hey, let me let me see what I can do myself and, and see how I can kind of keep some of those returns for myself. And what about you, Devon? You're, you're still in the NFL. What what inspired you to get started when you obviously have a full time job? Yeah, I think for me, it started actually when I was in college, um, you know, coming into college, I was like a top five star recruit, uh, top defensive end outside linebacker in the country. And I had a lot of injuries while I was in college and it made like reality set in. So where I was like, what am I going to do if football didn't work out for me? So I started to have mentors and and connect with different people and real estate stood out for me. So after my my rookie season in the NFL, I started to get into syndications. I got into my first syndication, but I always wanted to kind of balance the two. I thought syndications were a good way to build passive income, but I also wanted to build my own personal portfolio. So I uh, started going to different meetups in the off season after my first year. And, and I bought a single family property in Indianapolis from a turnkey provider. And that was kind of the first property that got me rolling. And, and I've just kind of kept stacking from there. So how did you... Because real estate's, I mean, it is definitely what I invest only in. Uh, I'm kind of a one-dimensional investor. But as, you know, when you, where a lot of athletes go to the NFL, they, they you know, they get these bigger contracts or contracts and and then they, they sit down with these financial planners and there's so many different investment platforms out there. You know, I mean, we've seen, you know, just investing across with like a, a financial planner or crypto has been really big the last two years. We've seen a lot of uh, athletes kind of endorse that. Uh, how did you guys select, like, why real estate with all the different platforms out there? What made you, like, tar- zone in on real estate? I know for me, it was about, like, why well, I wanted to own what I was investing in, and that's what got me into my first deal at 19. But what, like, why did you guys hone in on it? Uh, for me, um, you know, being out here in Seattle, you know, I- I've been fortunate and blessed to meet quite a few individuals that are are very successful you know whether you're talking about you know the ceo of obviously you know ceo of zillow and all these different individuals and you meet them all 
And one thing was common. They all own real estate. They might have not been in the business of real estate, but they all owned a lot of real estate. And I always, I, you know, I would always ask questions. Uh, and, and, you know, obviously the tax benefits, the cash flow, all these different things. I'm like, man, if the wealthy people are doing that, uh, because out here, I, I joke around all the time and say, you know, as athletes, you know, if, if you're in some of these smaller markets, you might be the top earner in those cities. But here in Seattle, you might not come top 3,000, 4,000. You know what I mean? So being around all those folks that are, are doing better than you, it exposed me to, um, you know, the, the real estate game and just understanding that how, how valuable it can be. As you know, taxes are always going to be probably some of our, our um, biggest expense. So if you can mitigate them through different ways of investing and making money, why not? So that was kind of my approach and, and how I got into it. Yeah, I would say I definitely agree with that for myself as well. But when I first got into the league, I had a financial advisor and it was most mostly a traditional guy who was trying to get me into stocks and all that and do what everybody else was doing. And I was looking at it and I was I came into the NFL with a vision of like I wanted to create enough income to where when I'm done playing, I can sustain my life off of the income that I have generated and all the investments that he was recommending and getting into getting me into in the stock market seemed was speculative like it was going up it was going down i wasn't pocketing anything and i was like this isn't helping solve the problem that i feel like we have as professional athletes you play for a certain amount of time you get out of the nfl what income do you have coming in and the stock market didn't seem to solve that that problem for me so that's where i started to look outside of my uh financial advisor listen to other mentors listen to you know bigger pockets and and read books and i'm like real estate was kind of the solution and and I kind of had to teach myself because I didn't know a lot of people in my position who was really building out primarily real estate portfolios to, you know, build their portfolio and create their wealth. So it was kind of trial and error, to be honest. Trial and error works in this business as long as, <laughs> as, long as you take steps. That's huge, though. I, I, I would agree. Like trial and error, it, it just taking the steps, you know, not kind of going back to what uh, Devon was just saying as far as for... Um, you know, all of us athletes, when we first get into the NFL, NBA, everyone's, you know, pushing the, the, the financial advisors. And I have one and, and I've been with them for 15 years now. And what I appreciate about my financial advisor, which I, I've come to realize is very different from a lot of other ones, are one, he teaches you what you're investing in. Two, he's not like most financial advisors don't want you investing outside of them because obviously they don't get paid uh with the capital that you deploy in other assets so but like my guy is very much behind that he is very much behind um helping me understand you know from a tax perspective uh being a cpa as well helping me understand the value of investing in real estate how to uh you know capitalize and and making sure that you're 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 being efficient in how your 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 um your business is running so for me, my experience has been a little bit different from a financial advisor standpoint, but I do hear a lot of stories of financial advisors kind of pushing you away from uh, real estate and, and, and you know, diversifying your portfolio. It's so funny you say that. I, I have been looking for a financial advisor myself and spent honestly months just looking for anyone who could have like this kind of conversation with me about real estate, just like a casual, yeah. you know what I'm talking about. You know, the difference between a syndication and a house flip. And like, I found five of them, like yeah. the entire country. They just it's don't hard. exist. It's hard, man. And it's so weird, right? Because like, honestly, stocks and bonds, like it doesn't vary that much. And there's this whole industry that help you like 
customize your portfolio and like what are you really customizing you're buying index funds yeah. whereas like real estate <laughs> is actually hard and you need to like customize it a lot but there's not a lot of people out there to teach you how to do it but i guess that keeps james and i in a job so that's pretty good <laughs> but it goes back to what i was saying though right like they don't they're not compensated for things outside of their like what they present to you right so most won't do that. That's not a, a great business plan for them. If you think about it, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. so most of them won't, won't even try to learn that aspect of it because, uh, you know, it's kind of taking money out of their pockets. I, I think that's very key. Cause as I, because I've gone through different financial advisors early in my career, trying to find a good fit, that became a rule of thumb for me is if, if I bring some of the deals that I'm doing and I've evaluated them, but I know they're pretty sound deals and all this, and I presented to them, and they're telling me I shouldn't do that or I should only do what they what they have. That is an automatic red flag because you're not giving me unbiased unbiased advice anymore. You're you're you know slowing me towards everything that you have. And if it's not from you and your group and your fund, you know whatever, then you're 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 kind of telling me it's no good. And that's just not the case many many of the times. So finding somebody who's going to be open and transparent. And I think that's the wrong game. So my financial advisor now, his mind says more so like, I'll help you evaluate things you're doing outside of me because if it's successful, it's going to increase your revenue, increase your net worth, which is then going to have um, more money to that I can potentially invest for you down the line. So having someone who has that long horizon in mind and isn't just trying to get the immediate win with just do what, what I tell you type of deal, I think that's really important. Yeah, the, the overall big picture of like the client, right? Like, because we work on the client side of the business for real estate. It's like, well, I mean, and if, what people should be doing is diversifying and investing in all different asset classes. Like, that's the safest way to do it. I don't do that because I seem to lose money every time <laughs> I put it in anything but real estate. But I think that's called the sell away, right? Like in a lot of these big firms, they when you sign up as a, a broker, you, you're not allowed, you sign like a sell away agreement. You're not allowed to, offer other investments from what I understand. Maybe I'm wrong there, but, and so like, as you guys started getting into real estate and you know, you're talking to your financial planners and then you chose real estate, it sounded like both of you invested in like a syndication deal first, or so you're investing in someone else's processes, which is kind of a scary thing for a lot of investors when they're making that first step. You know, I know even for me, I did some passive investing the last couple of years where I invested in other operators, which I've never done before. And it was kind of nervous. So like as, you know, with you guys getting new into real estate and you were just learning, how did you make that first selection of which operator you were going to put the money into? How did you vet that person? You know, because there is a lot of, you hear stories, right? Like I think there was one a couple months ago where it was an athlete suing an operator, an investment advisor, because they gave them bad advice. And, and, you know, there's a lot of bad advice and there can be bad deals out there. And you got to be kind of cautious. How do you? How did you guys take those steps and vet through that? Uh, for me, um, you know, I, I've kind of just over time created criteria of of why or who I'm going to invest with, right? Because at the end of the day, you, you're investing in the jockey, right? I, I do some private equity investing as well and different things like that. You're investing in the jockey. You're investing in the operator, but. And do and and knowing that now you got to do your due diligence of of what their what their resume is right like for and I'm gonna always be able to go back to football as as an analogy and it's no different right like 
you get this first round draft pick that you just draft. You're going to look at his film from previous years to see why you're going to draft this guy. So it's no different with with individuals that that I work with. I need to see your resume, just like I, I assume and I hope that you're going to do the same with me as far as for what I know in the real estate game, if you're going to invest with me. Um, and so for me, as I was going, it was, you know, referrals. It was references from different individuals. OK, have you worked? Do you work with solely athletes or do you work with other individuals like that plays a big role for me, too? If you only work with athletes, I don't want to work with you. You know what I mean? Like because we're, it, it, uh, there must be a niche there and there, there must be some kind of ignorance or something. I don't know what it might be. So I need to know all the different individuals that you're working with as well. So uh, for me, it's just. I have a criteria of different uh, different things that I look for. Um, also, again, my financial advisor is very involved with that as well. They'll go to meetings with me and poke holes through, uh, you know, some of the the pitch decks and different things that they that people might uh, have for us, and and we kind of come collectively as a team and figure out if this makes sense to invest or not. Very similar for me as well. I always say, all stars like hanging around all stars, and you know, it's relevant in, in football, and I think it's relevant relevant in in business. So when I meet someone and I have a mentor or someone that I have some type of business relationship, who are you dealing, doing deals with? They usually have the best recommendations, the, the guys who they've made the most money with, the guys they've had the track record. So I typically start there and then I start to evaluate and ask questions. What are you, uh, what are you looking for in this deal? Why is this a good deal? And then I start to get various deals myself and I bring it to one of my mentors, my financial advisor. And I, and I usually have two or three people, especially early on when I didn't know what I was doing. And I send them the decks and I'm like, what do you see? Is this a deal that's similar to the deals that you're doing? What's different? So when it comes to syndications, I started to get an understanding of what um, people are talking about high fees. What's a high fee? What's a fair fee? Um, you know, what's over, what's over speculative? Like, are they factoring in repair and maintenance? Are, are they high, hiking up, um, you know, rents way higher than is realistic? You know, I start to gauge these things based on, you know, conversations you have and what other people are looking at. And then you, you build that and it's like, okay, now you kind of have an idea of what to look for. And you have people who, you know, can, you can come to, to help you vet it and that, that doing that meticulously over and over again, you start to get in a good rhythm and, and can really see there's trends on good deals and there's trends on bad deals. And you can decide pretty quickly the good from the bad. That, that's that's super good advice. I, I think that uh, a lot of people when they start investing in syndications, I was like this, are a little like I, I was overwhelmed and I sort of just sort of like took people at their word at first because I was like, man, they know so much more than me. And I was like a little bit afraid to ask questions or to try and poke holes in their business plan. But like, you should do that. And James, you're an operator. I assume as an operator, like you want investors who understand what they're getting into and like want to ask those types of questions and make sure that like they're hundred percent on board with your business plan and know what they're getting themselves into. Oh yeah. That's a big red flag for me. Like if someone just comes and says, Hey, I want to give you money because they have heard stories about us or seen us grow. That's, you know, we slow everyone down. Like it, it's there's, because not only do you have to punch holes, I mean, every investment has holes in it, no matter what it is. It could be the greatest deal in the world, but there's holes there. And, and, and you have to look for those. And then not only that, when I'm talking to operators or when we're as operators, we know what those holes are already. And we try to address those immediately. Like, because the, as operators, it's really important to explain the risk because, you know, what, how it's put to me is, you know, if you, you want people like when everything's, everyone's happy when things are going great, right? When 2020 to 2022 is going on, everybody's happy. 
the, the, the problem is with investing, there's cycles. They go up and down. And, and when you have to get in a foxhole because you're in a bad cycle, you want those like-minded people in that foxhole with you because the worst thing you can do is jump out of that foxhole and then the whole thing collapses and the whole ship goes down. And so you want to make sure that you have like-minded people in these investments. So as operators, we're also interviewing our investors. Like we can't, if, if all of a sudden they freak out, then that's not good for the whole ship, right? And we can't have that thing sink. And so it's just... You have to be like-minded because also other p- operators offer different things. Some are short-term, high-yield investment guys, and that's great for what maybe an investor is trying to do because they don't want to be in a deal for five to ten years. There's guys that are only in deals for five and ten years. The syndication deal I invested in, they said they plan on never selling it. It's like, hey, just be under the pretense we're never selling this one. And and I was okay with that because we're still going to be able to get our money back out um, after we refi. So just making sure everyone's on a like mind is really important. So one question I, I get a lot about syndications, and then we can, we'll move on to some other stuff, but is like how to get deal flow, especially when you first started. Like how do you find syndications? So I know you both are probably higher profile than the average on the market listener, <laughs> but I'm just curious, like, how did you start getting deal flow and syndicators and and finding people that you ultimately did trust and decide to invest with? Well, I'll start. I mean, I'll say on that, you would think like every guys are getting tons of syndication opportunities, but I, there's not too many guys I know who are who invest in a ton of real estate syndication. To to be honest, I they get a lot of exposure to REITs and and different things like that from their financial advisors, but private syndication. There's I don't, there's not a ton of guys in the locker rooms I've been who are in the kind of deals that I that I am in. So that's one to start. So for me, when I first started getting into them, I was looking around like, am I doing something wrong? Because I'm I'm asking people and talking to guys in the locker room, and not a lot of people are in these kind of deals. So that was that's my experience and how I started to find these deals again goes to like all stars, no all stars. Who's investing in these kind of deals and like who are the syndicators that you're working with, what kind of deals. And then you start to create trees of like different people you're networking with that are investing in syndications. What deals are they getting into? Who are the main people running these deals? And you build, you know, kind of relationships with these different uh, syndicators and it grows from there. So I feel like there's a really organic way that you you should go about it in asking people who are doing it. What deals are you doing? you know, what syndicators are you working with? How, how successful have they been for you? And then, um, you know, going from there. I I would agree as far as for, you know, the locker room, most times than not, um, you know, guys aren't thinking about investing, right. Or, or guys aren't thinking about, you know, real estate syndications and different things like that. One guys are young, right. And they're not, they're not processing it like that. But I was fortunate enough to, when I got to Seattle in particular, um, I was fortunate enough to be around guys like Marshawn, uh, Michael Bennett, um, Richard Sherman, all these different guys that were like minded when it came to investing in what we're going to do with our money. You know, my, Marshawn said, hey, man, you got to count your chickens like that was a thing in the NFL, like in our locker room. Like we as the veteran player for me, um, when I used to walk into the locker room, we had 6 a.m. workouts and stuff myself and Michael Bennett. We we controlled the 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 speakers in, in the locker room. And the first thing we're doing, we're playing Rich Dad, Poor Dad. We're playing uh, different books and audio books or whatever, making sure that guys understand, like, this is extremely important, too, because this this ride can can end immediately. You know, so uh, as far as for being exposed to different syndications, it's all about just having the conversations with one another. 
oh man, Marshawn, you, you're in uh, real estate, man. Who, who's, uh, you know, like, how are you doing it? What are you doing? Who, who's uh, bringing you these deals? Oh man, I'll put you in contact with such and such. Oh man, Richard, like what you got going on? Cliff, man, I know you're into real estate. What you got going on? And it's, and then, okay, you meet this individual. Next thing you know, you're meeting other people that are doing it. And then you start hearing more and more deals start coming your way. Now it's on you to vet through those deals to make sure that you're not getting got or, you know, it's the right situation for you. So it, it just boils down to having a conversation, but networking, you know, you know, money and investing is like religion and everything else, like at the dinner table, like no one really wants to talk about it in the locker room. You know what I mean? And for us, it was completely different. Like we we wanted to talk about it because we wanted all of us to to be a part of of, um, you know, being able to obviously capitalize off the money we've been able to earn on the field. And honestly, I think that's why we were so good is because we were we were truly a brotherhood. We were truly friends that wanted to talk about uh, all the different things that we had going on and no envy or anything like that came about. And so that allowed us to grow in whatever avenue we decided we want to go in. Yeah, I think that's a good. Would you think you guys were so passionate about that? Because that's what it's about, right? That networking and and vetting people through referrals in those. I mean, the, the best deals I've ever done or best people I've ever met is usually through a personal referral. Do you think that your locker room was so into investing because of how many players when they leave the NFL or leave any kind of, uh, you know, uh, professional sport, you know, like I, I, there was some stat that came out or it was it was that uh, Sports Illustrated said 78 percent of uh, NFL players go broke after the first two years of their retirement. Mm hmm. And that's a that, that's a scary stat, right? Like that's that that's not a high no success rate, no doubt. But now I, I, I also want to talk about that stat too, just in general, right? Because you got to think about it. Um, the average is less than three years in the NFL, right? So in that three year span, have you accumulated enough money to actually be good for the rest of your life? Ninety nine percent of the time, no, you haven't. Now, have you made some decent money? Yes, but you're also 22, 23, 24 years old, haven't bought a house, haven't, you know what I mean? You're still training and different things like that. So I can understand how um, some guys may be broke, but also guys haven't really earned that much money to to um, be financially set for the rest of their lives. Usually that's your second contract. Usually that's when you're 27, 28 years old, right? Um, but Knowing that stat, for me in particular, I started I started thinking about that, right? I started thinking about, okay, well, if the average is less than this, all right, I need to start putting money away. I need to start, you know, putting money away in, in you know, the 401k plan that they have in the NFL, which is, is pretty solid. I know some people don't necessarily believe in it, but again, I'm all about diversifying and putting money in different places. Um, but then, uh, uh, but the conversations of, of just talking about, what we're investing in, you know, you're starting to see athletes are are, are thinking more about investing in and where to put their money because you you see Kevin uh, Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, all these guys are making big boy moves, and you're you know if you're you're not where they're at financially, but you're thinking that way, right? You're getting that right mindset, and it's all about just uh, not wanting to be part of the statistics as well so um you know you, you start to have these conversations with one another and and you know guys tend to be on the same page cliff that's an awesome uh, uh statistical analysis I, I love that being a data nerd but it's it's also true like if you compare that to 
how many 24 year olds just go broke? Like just in general, <laughs> probably. I think most of us were there at some point being, uh, being broke. But I love what you're saying about just like normalizing the conversation about money and investing. I feel like that's just so important. People don't want to talk about it. It doesn't make any sense. It's exciting. And personally, I think it's kind of fun. I guess that's self-evident. I have a podcast about it, but uh, I mean, I think it's just so important. Like if you're of that mindset to try and teach other people that it's okay to talk about it and it's, it's fun to talk about it and it's actually going to really benefit you. One thing I'm passionate about within that is like, I've been in a lot of rock, locker rooms and, it, and guys have the assumption that it has to be the star player. And it's that guy who's doing, who's making all the moves, who's doing, who's doing all of that. And all the other guys, like, it's like this kind of, um, un, unsaid thing where you got to like football better be your life. You got to be locked in, mm -hmm. you know, if you want to, if you want to keep making it, if you want to do this and being a person who I feel like I've been kind of in the middle, like I'm not, I've never been a pro bowler. I'm not, um, you know, going to be a hall of famer one day. I haven't won a super bowl, but I've been blessed enough to have a very long and successful career. So I can relate to some of these guys who's in the years three, four, five, six years, but maybe didn't sign a mega deal. Like, no, it's even it's just as important, if not more, for you to start to build out in investments to look at things differently. But a lot of those guys, which is the majority of the locker room, are so locked in on just trying to survive as long as they can in the NFL that they that they don't you know revert any of their attention to what they need to be doing outside of outside of football so you know in the locker rooms i'm in i have a lot of conversations with those guys because you know i i was just with arizona and it's like it's not just kyler murray and jj watt and aj green and those guys who need to be making moves in our locker room it's the guy who's in year three who you know is hoping to get another deal like what are you doing with the money you've accumulated and how can you even if you don't have enough to sustain you the rest of your life how can you use the money you've made to propel you into the next thing and helping guys kind of think that way i think is really important and the difference in the locker room but but to go also to add on to that as well i think um it's a confidence thing. I, I, and I'm not just even talking about athletes, right? We're talking about money in general, right? It's not something that's taught in school. You know, financial literacy is not something that's taught across America. So people aren't confident talking about something they don't really know much about. Now, when you bring the athletic, the athlete's perspective into it as well, it's the same thing. Now I got a couple of dollars. I still don't know what to do with it. Like I still like TV tells me I should go buy this Rolls Royce. And that's probably, the, that's the dumbest thing to go do. Right? So like, it's a confidence thing in understanding financial literacy. So as we know better as as athlete people, as we understand money and we we got to give the game back to the youth so they can do a little bit better uh, as they come through the ranks as well. But it's a, I think it's more of a confidence thing and just know like you're not confident because you don't know, understand it or you don't know it. That's such a good point. I mean, yeah, like you wouldn't want to go talk to someone about something you don't feel comfortable with. It almost feels like. You kind of want to like go home and learn a little bit by yourself so that you're like mm -hmm. at least literate enough in financial terms to be able to have those conversations, which, which is great. Why I guess like why you're putting Robert Kiyosaki and Bridgestad Portad on the uh, yeah. on the, the workout playlist. I mean, I thought I learned, listened to some pretty nerdy things while I work out, but that's that's uh, another level right there. But it, it's helpful, uh, to, I think, to just get people that like background knowledge so that you can, can start having those conversations. And Devin's going to have to start bumping the OTM on the market. In yeah. Devin, I want every blogger <laughs> yes. on the market. Every live podcast. I'll, 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 
so you guys have both been actually fairly active investors, like passively, actively for the last five to eight years. And, you know, it's been a little bit of a different market. We've seen the ramp up, you know, uh, you know, 2012 is kind of when the market started really turning a corner again, at least in the Seattle market, it did, uh, I'd say 11, 12. And then we saw the craziest market I've ever seen in 2020, 2022, where there were some really massive gains going on. And, and how is you guys in going through, because this is I'm, this is going to be your guys' kind of first cycle, right? Like, uh, I know when I was really young, I was in real estate, and how I got started was in door knocking and, and wholesaling, and then 2008 happened, and I learned a lot of major uh, lessons at that point. And, you know, as, and I'm, we're not going into the same thing as that, but we're going through a different dip in the cycle. And I know, uh, how have you guys, what, what have you guys been doing to change with the market or as passive investors, what are you guys looking for? Or as projects that you're getting involved in, how have you, have you guys gotten more cautious uh, on the, the deals you're looking at? Or, or are you guys in the middle of deals right now that you're having some issues in? Because, you know, that's always that learning curve, right? The markets go are good and then they're not good. And then they can level back out. And it's just those constant waves that you got to got to ride as an investor. What what kind of lessons have you guys learned or what what, what has been happening with your projects in the last nine months? Uh, for me, um, I think it's all about being creative, getting creative. Um, you know, I just closed on an apartment building um, about two months ago and we did seller financing. Right. Um, the terms made sense. Uh, the the interest rates and everything else made sense. So we we pulled the trigger on it. So I think it's just all about being creative and, and how how you're financing because money's getting more expensive. Right. Um, the the you know, rents are kind of, uh, you know, rents have been going at uh, was going crazy for the longest. And now they're kind of starting to soften up a little bit. Right. So you just adjust and, and you're performing for me in particular. I'm very, very conservative in, in my approach uh, with performance and different things like that. So I'm never I never want to be in a situation where uh, I'm upside down because <clears throat> I was uh, I was thinking rents were going to be uh, twenty four hundred dollars. And right now they're free at fifteen hundred bucks. Let's just put it at 16 or 1700 bucks or whatever the case may be. So I'm, I'm extremely conservative when it comes down to that type of stuff, but I'm still looking for deals. Uh, you know, the, the, the one quote that sticks with me is Warren Buffett's quote, right? Uh, you know, be fearful when everybody's greedy and be greedy when everybody's fearful. I feel like we're about to be in that process right now. We're about to be in a space where everybody's kind of, uh, you know, being fearful. So I think opportunities will present themselves. And now it's all about just getting creative on how to acquire these assets and, um, you know, I've, I've been fortunate enough to, to find different ways of doing so. The apartments have gotten better in Seattle. The deals are there that it. Yeah. I mean, because it, it was hard to lock down anything decent sized the last 24 months. Now it's like they're actually there's there's really good opportunities out there right now. No, Seattle. Seattle is a different beast, man. Um, you know, I. I, I, I don't buy any of my multifamily stuff in Seattle just because it's one too expensive, a lot of money chasing a lot of the same deals. Um, and so so I kind of stay away from that. But in Seattle in particular, we we built spec homes and I'm on the east side in Bellevue. So uh, you you being from this area, you you understand like it's, it's a different ball game as far as for what homes are going for. And it has softened up a little bit. But, um, you know, we build some spec homes here and then I, I take those proceeds and I go buy stuff in the in the Midwest. I go buy stuff in, in the southeast region uh, for cash flow and, and, you know, some appreciation as well. You no, know, good news is it's actually Belby's picking up the last two weeks right out the gate. The it, transactions are moving again like it, it was in stall mode for three to four months. And it's 
Mm-hmm. That's see, it, I think it might have just been a lot of seasonal change too. Like it's the the momentum's picking back up. We sold like seven, eight homes in the lot in the first two weeks of the year. Yeah, I just closed on a, a property. We we pre-sold it, and it's funny because we pre-sold it early part of uh or the end of twenty twenty one, and everyone's like, "What are you doing? You're crazy! Like, why would you pre-sell that? You know, you're you're leaving so much money on the table." And and just like my football days, I'm all about guaranteed money. I don't care how big your contract is, how much money is guaranteed. Because if I blow my knee out, I know that's all I'm leaving with, right? <laughs> so it's the same exact thing, the same exact approach uh, with with some of our, our spec homes is, you know, if somebody brings us something that makes sense, we sold it, we pre-sold it. And then at the end of the day, I, we just we just closed on it or, uh, about uh, about a week and a half ago. And people were like, oh, my gosh, you're a genius for pre-selling and all this <laughs> other stuff. You know what I mean? I'm like, yeah, because I'm going with the for sure thing. You know what I mean? I don't, I'm not chasing the extra couple hundred thousand just to lose a few hundred on the back end. I would I would say on my end, a, a big shift I've made is because I've been playing in the, in the NFL. I, when I first started investing, I was doing a lot of turnkey properties are close to because I didn't have the time or, and I didn't feel comfortable enough overseeing rehab jobs, big, big projects, essentially. And now I'm kind of to the point where I transitioned and I've identified certain markets where I can get things off, off market for way below market value and add more value to, um, you know, through renovation and then refinance the whole bird strategy, essentially. And, you know, I've, I've had a lot of success in the last couple of months. And even right now, I'm I'm going to be closing on a sixplex in Tampa, Florida. And, you know, I'm essentially barred off market from a wholesaling team that I've, I've built a good relationship with. I'm And I'm buying the cash. So I've been able to get a really great deal on it. I'm going to put a little more cash in it to, to do it up, do it really nice. And once again, like Avril said, my, my assumptions are very conservative. I think I'm going to be able to get 2K plus in, in rents. I'm uh, I'm assuming I'm going to be able to get 1600 And I feel like I'm leaving a lot of room to be successful in, in planning for worst case or rents not to go up. I've also started to say I've, in a lot of markets, I've seen rents either stay the same or go down. So I'm keeping my projections as the same for the next couple of years to where it's like, I don't think that's actually going to happen, but I don't want to be like, oh, in two years, I'm going to be able to get 2200 on this. I don't want to make those assumptions right now. I'm keeping it conservative. And if it, and if that happens, I'm going to be even happier. So those are the kind of things and, and how I've transitioned because of, you know, my understanding of real estate, the relationships I had and the deals that I'm able to get by using capital and, and, you know, getting it back out once I refinance, as opposed to what I did when I first started getting into real estate and buying turnkey or closer to turnkey t- style properties. I love that advice about being really conservative, especially right now, given the economic climate, like with rent increases, you know, over the last couple of years, it was safe to assume that rent was going to go up and now it's really flat and you're seeing it decline. And, you know, when people ask me about like how to underwrite deals, like you said, Devon, like I love putting myself in a position where it's great if I'm wrong, you know, like I like to believe that I'm right and like, yeah, it'll be flat. But if I'm wrong, that's even better. So it's just like a win-win situation. So I think that that's that's great advice for this type of market. Like if you're going to underwrite a deal, assume the worst because it is really uncertain right now. And if it still works and things aren't as bad as they, they could be, uh, then you'll probably benefit. One thing you both um, seem to do is invest in multiple 
locations and markets across the country. So I'm just curious, Cliff, we'll start with you. Like how, how did you pick those markets? What type of analysis and research do you do? Oh man. So, uh, in the Midwest in particular, I went to Purdue. So, uh, you know, I, I invest in Chicago in particular, uh, because one, um, my best friend, uh, he was in my wedding and everything I met at Purdue. He's a GC, right? So, uh, as you all know, real estate is the ultimate team sport and football is the ultimate team sport. So I understand that that you have to have the right pieces in place uh, to be able to have some success. So I, I picked Chicago because I had a GC. I had a property manager that I've known for years that that is crushing it out there. So that's why I, I picked the Chicago market. Now, you know, you, you obviously there's there's tenant laws and different things that you have to kind of deal with a little bit out there. But that was that was OK because of the cash flow that I knew I was going to be able to get. And come to find out, the Midwest actually has been one of the more stable markets in the country uh, during this during this little uh, uh, these little downturn, right? So, and but a couple uh, about a year and a half ago, people would have been saying, "Why would you invest in the Midwest?" You know. So, uh, and then I'm in the Southeast region as well. I'm in Huntsville, Alabama, growing market, great market, a lot going on out there. And my my business partner actually put me into uh, into that market. She owned a lot of real estate out there. There was a property that presented itself that was actually right next door to uh, her property and they couldn't take the deal down by themselves. And she brought it to me and she already had the infrastructure. She had a property manager. She had the GC. She had contractors and different things like that already in place. So it was really just buying into her infrastructure and and we were able to stabilize and we actually just refinanced cash out refinance a, a few months ago on that on that deal in particular. But. I'm a big team player. I understand that you need teammates and, and how I judge all these, these things is, Hey, I'm the, I'm the, I'm the general manager. Uh, you know, my asset manager is the, the doggone quarterback and our contractors and everybody else is the O line. Like that's, that's how we move. That's how we're going to make this thing happen. And, and again, like there's a lot of football analogies, but that's definitely how I'm moving. And I'm, and I'm, and you know, things have kind of been working out so far. So as a GM, have you, have you made any bad picks? <laughs> is, there, is there that <laughs> there's always bad picks uh, there's always bad picks right there's always gonna be a few bad picks but but I, I i've been knock on wood i've been fortunate enough that it hasn't been any bad picks to the point where we've lost money um my the deal might not have worked i might have had to sell it early and and um you know get out of it but we didn't necessarily lose any money we lost a little bit of time uh on that property but we didn't lose anything so I'm I'm very appreciative of that so far, and you know, hopefully, we can keep that that trend going. That's that's definitely the trend you want to stay on, <laughs> for sure. And to answer your question, for me, I would I would agree. I just say it a little differently. Like I look at the markets where I can find my core four. Um, you know, hear hear people talk about the core four a lot, and where can I find a real estate agent? Where can I find the proper lending, contracting team, and property management? And if I am, and then what I look at outside of that is that it's growing, is in an area that's growing and just scale there. I don't want to go somewhere where I'm only going to buy one, one property. Uh, Cause a lot of the stuff I look at is single family and smaller multi right now. So where can, where's a market that I have the core for and there's opportunity to scale. And when I find, when I identify those markets, then I'm willing to invest there. So that, those are the main things that I kind of consider. And I, it's usually through referrals. Like, you know, maybe someone knows, great a uh, great um real estate agent or broker in that's how it happened for me in in tampa i, I actually threw kathy 
uh, met a great real estate agent and team, uh, Kathy Peggy. Shout out, that's my yeah. that's, uh, my girl. But I met through her, and then I I built a team out um, in in Tampa through through networking, and that's why I'm investing in Tampa right now. So if you can get your core four, and you believe you can scale, then then I invest in that market. I, and 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 I agree exactly. I mean, you have to have those, those that core four for sure in any and every market that you go into. And and of course, you got your market analysis, right? You got to see population growth. You got to see job growth. You got to see all these different things as well in these markets. And, um, you know, these are all things that I know I'm, I'm privy to and that I look at before I go into any market. But having some individuals that you can trust um you know i think goes a little bit further than just even some of the 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 market analysis just having teammates that you can trust that you know they're they're not gonna you know screw you over as well right absolutely it's it's such good advice and so many people i think obsess especially if you're investing passively or out of state like they obsess about what market to invest in and i recognize that some of that is my fault because i regularly like publish lists of like best markets to invest in but like so much, <laughs> so much of it is about like just developing the right team. And it, like you said, it's a team sport. And like, you know, the difference between investing in Tampa and Jacksonville and just picking two random cities is probably not that much like on average. And if you have a good team, I think you could like either one could be better depending on how good your team is. Like it's not really about the city. There's so much more to it. Uh, so I think, I think that's really good advice. Yeah, to add to that, like um, in, for instance, in Ohio, I, I love the Midwest too. And I know Cliff was mentioning the Midwest, but I don't really like my team in Ohio right now. I'm So I'm probably getting out of getting out of uh, some of the stuff I have in Ohio. It's it's cash flow great for me, but my property management, I've had a lot of issues. The city of Cleveland's given me a lot of issues. I'm just kind of over it when, as as opposed to another market, like I'm, I'm doing a lot of stuff in Tampa right now. My team seems to be clicking and it's great. So it's like, I know people making a ton of money in Cleveland and in Ohio in general, but it's been a bad experience. I don't really like the team I have and I've been trying to fix it. And it's just, I've got over it at this point. So I think, I think that's a good testament right there. But sometimes you got to fire the coach. <laughs> you got to fire the coach. <laughs> that just happened in Denver today. I'm not really a Broncos fan. Actually, Devon, I'm a Giants fan. So I remember when you were Giants. Yeah. I just lived in Denver. So I sort of like the Broncos. Don't be surprised when uh, the the Giants beat Philly. I'm I'm calling it right now. They ain't got nothing to to lose. And Philly ain't ain't hot right now. Dude, this is what the Giants do. They sneak into the playoffs. And every like five to seven years, they somehow like make this miraculous run through the playoffs and win despite all odds and other teams being better than them. So I, we have a track record of being successful like this. I think it's our year. Yeah, but y'all don't, y'all don't have Manning back there. <laughs> I know, I know. They got some heart. Anyway, well, well, the last question I wanted to ask you guys before we get out of here is, Cliff, you, you made a... Um, um, comment about this at the beginning that you've, there are some things you've learned in the NFL and as an athlete that you apply to your real estate investing career. And I was curious what those, what those lessons are. Yeah, no, I mean, I feel like this is any space, right. Uh, as far as for any profession, I feel like there's just a few different things that honestly separates people from having quote unquote success uh, in their profession. And it's honestly, it's going to be the hard work. It's going to be consistency and you got to be all in, right? You got to be all in, um, with the NFL in particular, like 
part of the problem we talked about guys going broke and not investing and different things like that is because they're all in. They're not even worried about their money right now. They're all in into this particular space right now because they just want to get playing time. They want to get to the new deal, but they're not thinking about, okay, what's going on with their money. Now I'm not giving them an excuse or anything. I'm just, I just know firsthand. You know what I mean? And so it's no different with the real estate game. Like I truly like this. Like I really like, before I got on call with you guys, I'm 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 running through Buildium and 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 I'm I'm looking through uh you know making it who's delinquent who hasn't paid man we got three vacancies like I, like I'm I, every single day that's that's my life right now you know and 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 I I really like it so you know applying those things and then I talked about earlier right being the GM having the quarterback as the property manager having your contractors as the O line like really putting that like those analogies but that's really how I construct my business and how I'm, I'm, I'm moving in this space. Right. So, so that's kind of how and what I've learned and I'm trying to apply those same things in the real estate game and, and, and also my business. What about you, Devon? Is there anything you've learned uh, that from being an athlete that translates to your investing career? I, I would kind of relate in it's about building the team around me that fits what I need. Um, you know, being on a football team my whole life, I play a certain role on my team. I have a certain skill set and making sure I surround myself with the individuals I need that's going to get the best out of me and it's going to allow me to focus on what I'm best at. And I think that's no different in in uh, real estate. So on football, it's, you know, I'm an edge setter. I've always played the run really well. Um, I want to make sure that I'm in a position where that's I'm able to always do my strong, what I'm best at, what helps me do that film study, recognizing formations, all of these different things. What's something that I've never been known for necessarily. I I haven't had a double digit sack season in my career. Um, So I need to work on pass rushing. What do I do in the off season? I hire a pass rush coach. I really put emphasis on my, on my pass rushing. So I, I approach real estate the same way. What am I naturally good at? I think one of my strong suits is networking, building relationships, kind of big picture seeing, seeing it. But I need people to help me with the specifics. I've never put hand, uh, to put hammer to nail. I need a good contractor and good property management um, so I can understand it, but also who's going to be overseeing those kind of things. And that's that's really pivotal. So understanding my strong suits and and knowing where I need really strong teammates and players that's going to help me you know, get to where I'm trying to go. So I think when you can, when you can relate football to, to real estate in those ways, it's allowed me to, to scale faster and build the people around me that I really need. Yeah. And I really like that. Like it's sticking to what you know. And if you do so, like we do really well as investors in Seattle, cause we stick to what we know. We're not like, we go after heavy value add where we can, we can structure the deal, right? We have that construction background and it's the best way as you're going through a transition market to mitigate risk too. If you know what you're like right now, my buy box is sticking to what I'm really good at. Like whatever my teams are ready to go with, that's what I'm buying. It's not it has nothing to do with liquidity. It's how well can we execute that plan. And I, and I think that's really important for today's market. And and then as you're learning things, like he was saying, he's on the off season, he's working on his pass rush. He's working on his edge setting, like. Those are things that you can take the step into, but as we're in that transitionary market right now, stick to what you're really good at. And if you're really good at it, there's less people competing with you too, so the buy opportunities are better. In addition to, you know how to maximize that deal and that that's where the spreads are. When people are a little bit freaked out right now, if you stick to what you're good at, you're going to get the best possible deal at what you're really good at. 
I also to, to elaborate on that, too, I also think, you know, with with real estate in particular, right, you know, there's so many different ways of making money in real estate. You know, you can be a wholesaler, you can buy a whole developments, all these different things. Uh, so the the hard part about real estate is the, the, the shiny object syndrome. Right. And, and trying to spread yourself thin. But correlating that with 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 sports in general. You can only it's only been a few players that can play two sports and be a pro at them, right? Like there's not that many guys that can do that, right? So do know what you're good at, stick to it, focus, be all in on that, and 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 be great at that, right? Be great at pass rushing. Like that was my thing. I was a pass rusher. I set the edge when I need to, but I'm getting after your quarterback. That's that was my so I know who I am and that's the lane I'm going to stay in. And it's the same thing with real estate. Like I want to buy multifamily uh, properties. I want to buy value add multifamily properties and I'm going to hold on to them. I'm going to cash flow the mess out of them. And then, like I said, I do spec homes here on the east side uh, of, of uh, Seattle. And that's what I like. I, I know what goes into that. And I use those funds to go buy those assets that I'm talking about. But like, that's my niche. That's my lane. I want to grow in that space and get better at it and hopefully become a pro bowler and a Super Bowl champ at it. <laughs> well, that was a great way to exit. That was a great walk off. So now we got to Now we got to end the podcast. <laughs> well, we are, we are out of time. So I just want to thank you both for being here, but just wanted to uh, ask you, Devon, where, where can people connect with you if they want to learn more about what you're doing or follow your progress? Uh, you can you can find me on all social media at Devon Kennard and then also my website um www.devoncanard. I also have a book coming out in April. Um, so uh, yeah, it's all, it's all about financial literacy and real estate investing. So uh, check that out. You're gonna be able to pre-order here soon. So make sure you uh, follow me on social media and stay stay tapped in. Awesome. That's great. Well, congratulations on the book. What about you, Cliff? Where can people connect with you? Yes. Uh, all my real estate stuff is on TikTok. Um, you know, at Cliff Averill, A-V-R-I-L, uh, all my real estate stuff is on TikTok, but I'm also on, on, uh, uh, Instagram as well. So you can follow me there and, and get snippets of, of some of the stuff that I post on TikTok. Um, and, and before we leave as well, I want to let you guys know, I'm a big fan of the show, uh, on the market. I kid you not. I, I listen to every single episode whenever they drop. <laughs> Um, like this morning, I, I'm, I'm, I kid you not, like all I listen to is real estate podcasts in general, but on the market with you guys, when you guys do the panel and everything else, I love it, man. Keep, keep, keep up the good work. That's awesome. Thank you so much. We appreciate that. All right. Well, Devon Kennard and Cliff Averill, thank you guys so much for joining us. We really appreciate your time. Thanks guys. Thanks for having us, man. Thanks for having us. Appreciate you guys. Was that just a dream come true for you? It, it really was. Just any time that we can bring on a Seahawk player or any athletes, I'm all in on that show. I'm just permanently requesting a panel uh, spot for those shows. Oh, yeah. Well, so after we finished recording the interview, uh, you know, we were just saying goodbye to Devon and Cliff and uh, before, right before we were recording this. And Cliff revealed that he is actually a fan of On the Market and listens to this show. And uh, wait, was that actually, was that when we were recording? I don't know if it was when we were recording, but I just had an idea. We should get him a Seahawk jersey that says On the Market on the back. <laughs> I'm totally getting this. Well, either way, <laughs> we should do that. But either way, I just wanted to know what it felt like for you as like a diehard Seahawk fan to have a Seahawk legend tell you 
that he was a fan of what you're doing. I, I'm not going to lie. I was having flashbacks of when they won the Super Bowl against the Broncos. It was like, I felt <laughs> almost almost that good. Oh my God. Yeah, I, I can imagine. that. That's a pretty cool experience. Well, that that was super fun, you know, f- fanboying and all. I, that was really insightful. Um, I think that they both have really good perspectives and it's really just interesting to hear um, a little bit about how different people get involved in real estate, even while they're in their career. Because, you know, like obviously being a real estate, uh, excuse me, being an NFL player, this high profile thing. But I think what they were saying really applies to anyone, regardless of what career you have. It's about like talking to, you know, your friends norm and your colleagues, normalizing discussions about money and investment and trying to help each other, building out your team. You know, these aren't things that are necessarily just restricted to NFL athletes. It's for anyone who's trying to build a portfolio while they're in a full-time job. Yeah, it's all the basics, and they have the, their stories matched up with how we all got started. Like, you know, Cliff was saying he, he bought properties because he had a general contractor in that market that he knew really well and trusted, right? I mean, I did the same thing. When I first bought my first big project, I hired a friend of mine because I trusted him. And it's just the same beginning steps, and it was really cool to see that, that you know, because a lot of times, too, sometimes it's like, oh, these athletes, they have a lot of money. They just put the money to work with these managers, but they're doing the day-to-day stuff that we all do making sure rents are collected going through the they're going through their own performance and maybe in checking them out right they're not just going off of people's words but it's that same day repetitive stuff that we do as investors and and they're doing it and doing well yeah absolutely i thought it was great um and, and learned a lot i i do you know we were joking about making a show where james goes knocks on doors with uh with NFL players, and maybe we'll that will be our OTM spinoff sometime soon. You know, I'll, I'll feel pretty safe if I'm at a bad house with a big 300-pound lineman behind me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh, dude, the other thing I forgot about that I thought was so funny was uh, Cliff said something. He was like, yeah, all those financial advisors tell you to buy a Rolls Royce. That's the stupidest thing you could do. You know, Jamil just bought a Rolls Royce. Oh, my God, that, I was dying. Whatever he was the coconut or whatever that I was absolutely dying. <laughs> it's so funny. I don't think Jamil would argue that it's a good financial decision though, but it's probably fun. No, I don't understand that. Yeah, you can you can buy a truck too that's also a write off and costs a third as much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. All right. Well, that was a lot of fun. I uh, appreciate you being here, James. Uh just uh you know everyone who knows who you are, but if they haven't connected with you in a while, where should they uh, reach out to you? A uh, good place to find us is on uh, Instagram's an easy place, flips or at jamesdaner.com. Um, you can get more information from us and more tips on investing. Awesome. Great. And I am at The Data Deli on Instagram where you can find me. If you have any feedback about these shows, have any questions, hit up either James or I. And if you like this show, please make sure to give us a five-star review on either Apple or Spotify. We really appreciate those reviews. If you've been listening to the show, haven't done it yet, please go do it now. It would be a great help to us. Thanks again for everyone who's listening out there. We'll see you next time for On The Market. On The Market is created by me, Dave Meyer, and Kaylin Bennett. Produced by Kaylin Bennett. Editing by Joel Esparza and Onyx Media. Research by Pooja Jindal. And a big thanks to the entire Bigger Pockets team. The content on the show on the market are opinions only. All listeners should independently verify data points, opinions, and investment strategies.
The housing market is changing, and finding your way right now can be a bit tricky. There are rate shifts, there are confusing headlines, but at the end of the day, your goal hasn't changed. You probably still want financial freedom as much as ever. Well, the good thing is that experienced investors know it's not about trying to time the market, it's about the amount of time you have in the market. And if you're ready to get into real estate investing game, you can still do that, or you can take your game to the next level by finding an investor-friendly agent. With BiggerPockets Agent Finder, you can find the right agent in just a few minutes. You head over to biggerpockets.com deals, enter in some details about what you want, where you want to buy, and boom, you instantly get matched with an investor-friendly agent who fits the bill. These local market experts can help you navigate the neighborhoods, analyze the numbers, and take action with confidence once and for all. This free resource is only available at biggerpockets.com deals. Get an agent, get the deal, and get closer to financial freedom at biggerpockets.com deals. That's biggerpockets.com deals to find your investor-friendly agent today. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all hosts and participant opinions are their own. Investments in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. BiggerPockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.